for that reason, many who ought to have been here with us tonight are not here. But this is a surprise. Those of you who have been faithful and are here will certainly be blessed tonight. And those of our friends who are not here will miss out on this blessing. Unfortunately, that is the way life is. You have to be faithful and to be consistent. But I did ask our brother Degboy if it was possible for him just to come tonight and encourage you. Starting a new work is always a challenge. And I know that he has been involved at least 19 times in this, in seeing new churches started. He is presently giving leadership to 19 churches that uh, were started by the ministry of Rama uh, Church in uh, Nigeria. And so we're going to invite him to come at this time and minister to us. Let's invite our brother Dagboy. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to be here. Though I was here some time in the evening, the very first day we came here, and um, I really like the building. Will I call it the building or a tent? <laughs> and I thank God for what he has already started to do in your midst. And I believe that he's going to perfect that which concerns you. But by the grace of God tonight, I will be speaking to you on the subject of the things God wants to do for you. Everyone say this after me. The things God wants to do for me. Again. Praise the Lord. And I would like you to open your Bibles to Psalm 91. And um, what I will be speaking tonight, all this, something that you can apply practically to your life, and at the same time you can look upon it as something that is general to the ministry and the life of this church. Like our brother said, I mean, Pastor White, we have been involved in planting at least 19 churches and um, as we go home tomorrow we are planning to open a church in the capital, the administrative capital of Nigeria which is Abuja we are opening that church this Sunday I mean this Saturday and so we have been in and out of church planting work and we have an idea of the challenges that people go through as they start an independent or new work like this so what I'll be saying today will have practical relevance to you as a person and will also be relevant to the church as a whole. Psalm 91 verse 14 to 16. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I want you to put number one there. Therefore will I deliver him. That's number one. Number two. I will set him on high. That's number two there. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will answer him in his number 3. I will be with him in trouble. It's number 4. I will deliver him and honor him. It's number 5. And then with long life will I satisfy him. I will satisfy him. It's number 6. And show him my salvation. 
So I hope you have taken note of therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. He shall call upon me and I will answer him as I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Alright. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the opportunity you have given to us today to be gathered around your word. We open our hearts expecting to receive doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction from your hand. Thank you because your word will come unto us, not as the words of men, but as the word of you, our Father God. We thank you because you speak to each and every one of us at the point of our need. And you help us in such a way that we'll be able to testify that we have been helped by you. And so we stand established and rooted. We give you the praise and the glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to speak today on the things that God want to do for you as a person or this congregation as a whole. What I will be speaking on today is slightly prophetic. When I say prophetic, I mean, I mean it has to do with something that may happen to you anytime from this moment. Because as I was asking the Lord on the message that I should share, He just opened my eyes to this particular section of the scripture. This is a message I've shared several times with several people. And my challenge to you is to open your heart and receive whatever definite word from the word that I'll be ministering to you this evening. I have come to realize one thing, and that is that God does not intend to withhold anything good from us if we walk uprightly. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord is a son and is a shield. He will give grace, he will give glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. The word of God tells us in the book of Psalm 68 verse 19, he says, God daily loads us with benefits. In Psalm 23 verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So God's plan is to have much more than enough for each and every one of us. In Psalm 23 verse 5, he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my head thou anointed with oil, my cup runneth over. That tells you that God wants you so blessed to the point that you will not have need of anything. In Psalm 34 verse 10, it tells us that the young lions do hunger and lack, but they that seek the Lord will never lack anything good. That is the heart plan of God. That you and I will not lack anything good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian Christians and he said unto them, all things are yours. All things are yours. He was giving them a word of assurance for them to accept the fact that that is the mind of God. The mind of God is that Christ came to make everything available for us. John chapter 10 verse 10 is a scripture that we read all the time. He said, the thief come to steal, to kill, destroy. He said, but I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Not just have it, but have it in every ever increasing basis. That's the heart and the mind of God. If you read Romans chapter 8 verse 32, the word of God says, If he did not spare his only begotten son, he that spared not his only begotten son, how will he not together with him give us all things? All things are yours. Then he said, how will he not together with him give us all things? That is the mind of God. God is not a man that he will lie down, the son of man that he will repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Has he spoken it, will he not make it good? 
The word of God tells us in Luke 12, 32, it says, Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good wish to give you the kingdom. In other words, as small as you are, don't ever think God despises you. Don't ever think God looks down on you. Don't ever think God does not is not interested in your welfare. In Luke chapter 12, verse 7, the word of God tells us that if you read verse 6, it says, Five sparrows are sold for two fathoms. But not even one of them would drop without my Heavenly Father knowing about it. You have greater value to God than sparrows. So you are very important to Him as a person. And His intention is that you have everything possible that will make your life satisfying, full, rewarding, great, that will make your life a miracle upon the earth. That is the plan and the program of God. The Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when you read verse 12, it says, We have not received the spirit that is of this world, but the spirit that is of God, that we may know those things that are freely given to us of God. So God does not just want us to have all things. He wants us to know that they are free. Christ has already gone to the cross to purchase for us an eternal redemption. Ephesians 1.3 says, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly place in Christ. And when you and I believe that the blessings are there, and with our faith we lay hold on these blessings and pull them to ourselves, that we'll be able to experience them in every area of our life. The program of God covers your spiritual life, your solical life, and your physical and material life. Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper. God says above everything. This is my plan. I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth. In the book of Psalm 35 verse 27 it says, Let them rejoice and magnify God. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who taketh pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. It means God enjoys helping his own people. We should have that confidence that God enjoys assisting us. He enjoys bringing the good things into our lives. The Bible says in Isaiah 1.19, He said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. One translation of that verse, I love it so much. It said, if you allow me, I will make you rich. Now that is to tell you the mind that God has towards you. Most of the time, some people think serving God takes some things away from us. No. Serving God in spirit and in truth adds so many good things to us. So we have not received the spirit that is of this world, but the spirit that be of God, that we may know those things that are freely given to us of God. God is not charging us for anything. He's just saying, according to Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, the door shall be opened. So there are quite a number of things that God wants to do for us. And today, by the grace of God, like I said, for the next couple of minutes, I just want us to look at some things that he wants to do. You see, at times, it is not God wanting to do something that is important. It is whether we are going to allow him. Many people think if God wants to do it, we do it. No. You have a part and a role to play in God being able to do it. Do you know that God wants to save everybody, but is everybody saved? God wants to heal everybody, is everybody healed? God wants to bless everybody in terms of financial, physical things. Is everybody blessed financially and physically? No. So it's important for you to know that there's a side that you have to play in everything. For example, when you look at verse 14, it tells us, it says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I, 
You know when they said will I, it means that's by will. He said, but because he has set his love upon me. When you look at Matthew 22, 37, he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all your mind. So loving God is a gateway to releasing his will in our lives. In Psalm 31, verse 23, we as Christians, we are admonished. He says, love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord will preserve the faithful. That tells you that God wants to do so many things, but he wants you to realize that there is still an aspect that you have to do yourself. There is an aspect that you must do. Says because. Because means be and cause. You know, cause means what is responsible for. Because he has set his love on me, therefore will I. I will do what? I will deliver him. Now that is the first thing I want to recognize. God wants to deliver you. Somebody said from what? From whatever you need deliverance from. There are so many people who are in bondages to several things. Some of them are in bondage to habits. Some of them are being bondage to drugs. Some people are in bondage to sin. You may be here, you have not accepted Christ. The will of God is that you be set free. God wants you to be free. God does not bring people into bondage. He sets people free. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 45, I walk in perfect liberty because I seek your precepts. John chapter 8 verse 32 He said Jesus spoke unto those Jews that believed in him If you are, if you continue in my words Then are you my disciples indeed And you shall know the truth And the truth shall make you free God is interested in making us free Galatians 5 1 He said stand fast in the liberty We are in Christ as set you free Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage God says I will deliver you if you have a marriage that is a struggle, God said, I will deliver you from the marriage. Not that he's going to ask you to leave your husband's family or life, but he's going to correct the things that need to be corrected and restore the things that need to be restored. I remember the wom a woman came to me and said, Brother George, I'm virtually living in hell. My husband is such a bad character that you can hardly live with him. I said, God, we give you a new husband. She said, oh, you mean her? I will. I said, no. God, we get that old one saved and we become a new man. Because we are five. Every man being Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you read Ezekiel 36, 25 down to 27, God said he's going to take the stony heart out of the man and he's going to put in a heart of flesh. He's going to sprinkle clean water on the man and clean him from all his filthiness. And that happened because the woman believed God. You see, at times God will say something, but it never comes to pass because we don't believe. Jesus told Mary and Martha in John eleven forty, He said, "If you believe, you will see the glory of God." Second Chronicles chapter twenty verse twenty. He says, "Believe the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe the prophet, and you shall prosper." So God says, "This my will, I will to deliver you." That was what He did to Israel. Israel was in Egypt for a number of years and they cried unto God. And God tells us that he was going to come, according to Exodus chapter 3 verse 8, send Moses to them to deliver them. So God is a deliverer. God is a deliverer. In Psalm 18 verse 43, the word of God says, God says, I will deliver you from the strivings of the people. You know, in the community where we have our main church, that is in Elorin, when we started out, the people 
We are saying all manners of unpredictable things about us. And God gave me that verse. He says, I will deliver you from the striving of the people and will make you the head of the heathens. That was a promise. And I dare to believe the promise of God. So the promise of God to you today is, I will deliver. Now, there is nothing God cannot deliver from. The Bible tells me in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, He said, We are for seeing that he is able to save unto the uttermost they that come to God by him. For he forever liveth to make intercessions for the saints. God can deliver you from anything and everything. Even if tomorrow is the day that you have an appointment with death, God can deliver you from it. The word of God tells us in Psalm 79 verse 11. He says, Let the sign of the prisoners come before you, O God. And according to the greatness of your power, preserve them who are appointed to die. The fact that somebody has an appointment to die next day does not mean the person is going to die. If you understand the God you serve. There was a case of a boy in the United States of America who was convicted for an offense that he did not commit. He was convicted. He was not the one who committed the murder, but he convicted the boy. But the mother of the boy was a praying woman. She rushed into a tent meeting like this that was being held by a man of God known as R.W. Shambach. She came in from the back and said, Man of God, everybody looked in that direction. He said, Please help me. My boy is about to be executed on the electric chair by 10 p.m. tonight. And if nothing is done, he will be killed for an offense that he did not commit. He said, I asked my son, Did you kill the man? He said, No, I didn't kill the man, Mom. But you see, the jury decided that he was the one who killed the man and they had passed the death sentence on him. So the woman came to the front. That thing happened about 7 p.m. in the night. The woman came to the front. And the man of God said, well, all things are possible if you believe. This boy had an appointment with death. Tomorrow he was going to die that night, 10 p.m. He was going to be executed. But you see, when you know God and you know the things that God has promised he will do for the righteous, this woman was born again and her seed had been taught in the way of the Lord, but the body did not listen. But one way or the other, he got into this mess. So the whole congregation said, let's pray. So they lifted up their voices and prayed to God. And at the end of their prayer, the man of God turned to the woman and said, go. Go home. Your son will not be executed. At nine o'clock that same night, the man who was responsible for the who killed the person came under a deep conviction. He was unsettled, he was confused, he was so thrown over and taken in by everything that he had to call the district attorney, Mr. Hogan. I said, Mr. Hogan, you don't know me, but I know you. The man you're about to kill tonight is not the man who committed the offense. I am the one who committed the offense. Please. I'm ready to give myself up to the law, but do not execute the wrong person because he was not the one who was guilty. And at 9.30 p.m., 30 minutes to the time that the young man, who was innocent, could have been executed, the real man showed up and was locked up. That is what God wants to do. He wants to deliver. Even people who have an appointment with death. In Acts chapter 12, there was a man known as Peter. He had an appointment with death the next day. You all know what happened. How in that same night, before the next day that he would have been killed, an angel of God appeared to him in the prison and woke him up. And you know the story in Acts 12. He had an appointment to keep with death, but he never kept it. You know what happened in Daniel? In Daniel's case, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These were people that were faced with obvious death. 
But God, in the greatness of his power, proved that he wants to deliver and he can deliver. And he delivered Daniel. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the three Hebrew children said, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I mean, wherefore, O King Nebuchadnezzar, will not be careful to answer you in this matter, our God whom we serve is able to deliver. And he will deliver us. That is the confident expectation I want you to have. That God is a deliverer. He will deliver your Psalm 116 verse 8 says, He delivered my life from my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. If you read the case of David in 1 Samuel 17, 37, David says, God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And God delivered David from the hand of the paw, delivered David from the hand of the lion, and delivered David from the hand of Goliath. Everybody say God is a deliverer. The Bible says in Obadiah 17, upon, upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess his possession. Some time ago I was in a program and I met a man who had been smoking for 26 years. He was an addict. He was born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, but that habit was still with him. And I spoke to the man and I said, do you really want to stop smoking? He said, yes. I said, God is a deliverer. He can deliver you from habits that cost you a lot of money. He can deliver you from sicknesses that have been eating away your life gradually. I laid hands on this man who had been smoking for 26 years. And with just one statement, I said, In the name of Jesus, I command you foul spirit of nicotine that have been ruling and controlling and influencing and affecting this man's life for good to come out of him. When I spoke those words, the power of God hit this man. He fell over backward and the spirit came out. I saw him five years after that prayer. He said, five years have come and gone. I've never taken a stick after that night's prayer. God is a deliverer. Amen. He can deliver you from sicknesses that have been eating up your money. Sicknesses that have been messing up your life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, Paul said, God delivered him from the mouth of the lion. In 1 Samuel 17, David says, God delivered him from the paw of the lion. But in, in, in Paul's case, he says, God deliver him from the mouth of the lion. God is a deliverer. When Jesus came, part of the things that he preached was deliverance to the captives. People who are hooked on various drugs, hooked on various things, addicted to various things that you need to be addicted to. God identified himself as a deliverer to Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 8. He says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you. God is a deliverer anytime and anywhere. In Psalm 91 verse 3, the word of God says, God says, I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. God is a deliverer. In Second Peter chapter 2 verse 9, he says, God knoweth how to deliver the righteous from temptation. He knows how to deliver the righteous from temptation. Many people talk about temptations and various temptations that we go through. God knows how to deliver you from temptation. There is no temptation that is taking you but such as is common to man. First Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to bear? With every temptation, he will make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. No matter what you're going through, no matter what circumstance or what pain or problem you're going through, God says, I am your God that deliver you. He delivered David, he delivered Solomon, he delivered all the other people in the Bible. If he did deliver them, he is still the same today. 
What he did in Matthew, he will do today. What he did in Mark, he will do today. What he did in Luke, he will do today. What he did in John, he will do today. What he did through the heart of hands of the apostles and their clothes, he's willing to do today. He is a deliverer. He has always been known in all scriptures to be a deliverer. In Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and his word healed them and his word delivered them from all their destruction. So God is a deliverer. In Psalm 34 verse 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver them out of them all. He keepeth his bones and none of them is broken. God is a deliverer. He can deliver you from bad visions. He can deliver you from nightmarish experiences when you sleep. He can deliver you from a life of addiction to alcohol. He can deliver you from a life of pain and illness. He can deliver you from various maladies and various problems. And he can deliver you from the evil imaginations of the wicked against you. You know, the devil at times is plotting so many things against you. He's always thinking of doing so many things against you. But God wants you to be rest assured that whatever the enemy is planning against you, God can deliver your feet from falling. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 verse 17, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, God says, Condemn it. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me. God is a deliverer. I remember the Christian, robbers surrounded him. And they said, we are going to kill you now. And he asked them, why do you have to kill me? Why do you have to kill me? And they said, we just have to kill you. He said, no, you don't have to. You don't have to if you don't have to. He said, because my life is in Christ and Christ is in God. And they looked at one another and started laughing. They said, look at this man. He said, his life is in Christ. He said, tell that they said, without even knowing what they said, they said, tell us about Jesus. And he said, if you want me to tell you about Jesus, then sit down and let me tell you. And so they sat down and they spoke to them about Christ. By the time he finished, not even one of them could pick up his gun. They said, please pray for us. Did God not deliver him? Now, there are very many things that God has delivered us from time past. And there are still yet many things he will deliver us from the days ahead. So let us know that this is one of the things he wants to do for us. No matter what you are in. No matter how difficult or impossible or surprising or completely painful the condition you are in, God says, I will deliver you. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 23 verse 18, it says, surely there is an end, and your expectation shall not be cut off. If you expect God to do something, he will do something. If you expect him to move in and show himself strong on your behalf, he will move in and show himself strong on your behalf. He delivered Joseph from prison. Joseph was in prison wrongly, but God delivered him from prison. He spent 17 years, but God still lifted his head up and brought him out of prison, even when every hope of being brought out was lost. God walketh by his own principles, and he is a deliverer. There are many things in my life that God has delivered me from. Very many things. And there are very many instances I can look back and appreciate the delivering grace and the delivering power of our God. The Bible says in the book of Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and it shall come to pass afterwards when the Spirit of God is poured out Joel chapter 2 really verse 32 He said and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. There is deliverance available. Don't ever think you are hooked to something and you are bound in it. God can move in even in the impossible of cases. He delivered Lazarus from death. He delivered Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead four days. Jesus came and said Lazarus come out. There have been instances of people that we that we heard about. I remember the woman. Listen to this. This is a very, very powerful one. A woman's husband died. And when they came and told the woman, the woman said, no, he cannot die. Because my covenant with God is that he was not going to die until he was born again. 
and they told her where to pity your husband. They said, no, he can't die. My agreement and my covenant with God is that the man was not going to die until he was born again. And when they told her that the woman, the man was dead, he said, okay, bring the cops. So they put this woman and this cops in the same room, and this woman prayed for 13 hours with this cops. After 13 hours of prayer, this cops came back to life. That is, the man came back to life. And this woman called people and said, please, two or three of you, come and witness what I'm going to do. And when he called the people, they came, and then he talked to this man about Christ, and the man accepted Jesus Christ. The man said, when I died, he said, there was this force that was pulling me and pulling me and pulling me and pulling me and compelling me back into my body. And after 13 hours of prayer, the man woke up, and this woman led this woman back to Christ. And when this man was led back to Christ, the man died again, and that was the last time he died. Now somebody said, is God a deliverer? Look at what he did in that instance. I have been surrounded before, like I gave the testimony Sunday night at MPC. They said, we are going to kill you, you will die now, we will kill you now. And I was delivered. God delivered me from the expectations of the heathens. He frustrated their talkings and turned their hand backward. He confused their language and their expectations against me did not come to pass. So wherever you are, whatever you are into, know this fact that one thing God wants to do for me is deliver me. Deliver me, deliver me. So that's number one. Because you have said it's done for me, therefore will I deliver him. Number two thing that God wants to do is that I will set him on high. What a statement. God said I will set you. It's my will to set you on high. In Isaiah chapter 58 verse 14 God says I will Thou shall he says, thou, Then shall thou delight thyself in the Lord And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth And to feed upon the heritage of Jacob God said I want to ride upon the high places of the earth I will put you in a place Where things that happen to ordinary men will not get to you I will set you on her In your place of work I will set you on her Along the streets what befalls that will not befall you? In your city where you live, the disease that affect and inflict them will not be able to touch you. I will set you on her. I will take you to the place where I am because God is called the Lord Most High. He said, I will set you on her. God is saying, I'm going to make you a special person unto me. He said, let me tell you something. This, uh, we, we in Ramachapu believe that God has granted us a special favor. It is free for anybody to believe for God's favor. We believe that God has set Rema Chapel on high. First among equals, you will say. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 45, verse 6 and 7, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thy love and righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. That means I will set you on high. You will stand out. You will not be lost in the crowd. You will be distinct. My favor will be clear on you. The I at times as I travel around the world at times, I stay on the queue like everybody stays on the queue. And the person who is checking this awesome would look at me and say, Hey, come. And I walk up there and said, Please, can I help you? I mean, I was on the queue. But something made me different. Something supernaturally, divinely attracted me and made me magnetic to the person. At times they will tell you, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know. They will say, I don't even understand. I'm feeling, but I just have to do it. Now, this is because I believe that he will set me on earth. Amen. Wherever you are, they could leave everybody unpromoted, but they can never promote you. Amen. You see, some of us have an appointment with greatness, and there's nothing we can do about it. Amen. And I'm one of them. Are you? Of course, yes. So he said, I will set you on earth. You see, this is the way I look at myself. 
that I am like Daniel. I may come in as a slave, but I will soon be the head man. I am like Joseph. I may come in as a captive and as a slave that is sold, but very soon I will become the prime minister. I may be in jail today, but Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 14 says, Out of prison he came and became a ruler. Hallelujah. When we started in our community, our little church, it was the smallest of all churches. But today, if you enter the city, without even knowing where the church is located, and tell any taxi man, I'm going to Rema Chapel, they will bring you there. When our letters get to the post office, and people even write the wrong post office number, and write the wrong address, they still bring you to us. Because they, they have just known us. You know, some people always speak evil about us, and to us, that is true publicity. Amen. I, 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 to us, it's true publicity. You know, they tell other people about us. I said, you know that church? Ah, they shout there, they cry there, they do this. And I said, where is that church located? Let me go there and check whether it's safe. And they will come and check and stay. Amen. They have never been able to go back. They sit in the service and they say, my God, this is good. This, oh, my God, this be like in heaven. Now, divine attractiveness. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 14, 35, the king's favor is towards a wise servant. You see, that is the way God operates. That is the manner. He said, I will set you on her. It means I will make you the head and not the tail. He told me chapter 28, verse 13, I will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and never beneath. I will set you on her. Set you on high over demons. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He says, the God of peace, bruise Satan shortly under your feet. We look at the devil under our feet. You should look at the devil that you are on top of the devil. Some Christians behave as if the devil is on top of them. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. When you triumph, it means you are on top. When you overcome, it means you are on top. God says, I will set you on high. You see, God looks at us set on high most of the time. We are the people who look at ourselves as being under. God looks at us as being over. God looks at us as the head of the heathens. You know, I quoted the scripture earlier when I was talking about being delivered, Psalm 18, verse 43. He said, God will deliver me from the striving of the people, and he will make me the head, the head of the heathen. A people that know me not shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall come out of their hearing places. So you have to look at yourself as somebody whom God has set on her. Whom God has placed in a position that you did not earn. He says, I will set you there. When I was in the world and I was, uh, I was a lecturer, I mean, when I was uh, rather a lecturer, I was doing the world, I was a child of God. In my place of work, I dare to tell everybody that I'm the spiritual controller of everything that happens here. I tell them Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 and Matthew chapter 18 verse 18 says I have the keys. You know, the Bible says, whatever things you bind on us, I'll be bound in him. And whatever things you lose on us, I always tell them in the department where I was, nothing happens here without my allowing it. If I don't allow it, it will not happen. Amen. <laughs> because he has set me on high. He has made me the apple of his eyes. He has made me the crown of his glory. and the prizes of his creation. And his loving child. I am his, his mine. My beloved is mine. I am his, his banner over me is love. I will set you on high. The word of God tells us in Psalm 113 verse 8, it says he leads the poor out of the dust and the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him, set him, set him, set him with the prince, even the prince of his people. And look at myself like that. Don't belittle yourself, you people who are in this church or as an individual. Wherever you are, you are consequential to God. 1 Peter 3.12 says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are inclined to their prayers. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
He said, I will set you on her. When people meet you, they will not know the reason why they have to do some things, but they have to do some things for you. Because you are God's loving son. Amen. The Bible said in James 1.9, Let the brother of low estate rejoice in that he is exalted. I am exalted. Ephesians 2.6 says, I have been made to sit together with him in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world that is to come. I tell the members of our church who are selling goods in the supermarket, if your shop is near somebody else's shop, don't ever think that that person will sell more than you because your shop is Jesus Christ and Sons Incorporated. The man will have to pass about 20 shops to get your host, but he will have to come into your home. And he will not just come in and go out because God has set you on the same price, the same goods, but your own will look better. Amen? How? Why will it look better? Because of a supernatural attractiveness on it. I tell young ladies, don't ever think uh, no man remembers you. Don't ever think, oh, I'm just a little inconsequential. God will send somebody all the way from US to come and marry you here because he has set you on her. Amen? But here you are looking at yourself and saying, oh, I'm a little warm. I'm very useless. All these years I've been with. You won't have long to wait. Amen? You won't have long to wait because he has set you on her. Your application form to your... I, I told some people, I said, there's a member of our church who has been looking for a job. He said, I've been looking for a job. I said, don't ever say that again. Tell yourself, job is looking for you. You know how times you just say, I'm looking for a job, I'm looking for a job. What are you looking for? If you seek God, you don't seek things. Things will seek you. Amen? But you have to seek God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and things will seek you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm not going to follow goodness and mercy. If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall overtake me run after me and overtake me in the land of the living so I told him and I said don't ever say with your mouth that you are looking for a job say with your mouth job is looking for you so there was this great advertisement they had and they invited 22 of them for interview just for one post I told him I said listen to me don't go for that interview like somebody who is looking for work go to that interview like somebody who is going there to take his job it is your job it, it has been the description of the person they did so much fits you that you are the one they are looking for. They have to make the description to suit you. I told him, I said, You are not going for an interview, you are going to there to collect your appointment letter. That's what I told him. So you are going there to collect your appointment. He said, Pastor, you do mean? I said, Yes. I said, Who do you think they will give you? They will give you Nagy. It means nobody will be given. He couldn't believe when I was telling him this, but he, he just believed it. He said, Well, Pastor, because he said it. You know, like Peter. In Luke chapter 5 verse 5, he said, we have told all night, but we have got nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we we'll let down. We try all we can. He's been looking for a job. I said, don't ever say you are looking for a job again. So he went the other day, and the person that was sitting behind him, he said, he said, you know that job is mine? He said, do you know that job is mine? I said, how dare you think it's yours? He said, well, my father sent me here just to collect the job. He said, he said my pastor at home showed me to come and collect the letter of appointment. He said, what, what do you mean by your pastor told you? So he started quoting scriptures, I will set you on high. He leads the poor out of the doors, the dig out of the dung here, that they may set him with the prince, the prince of his people. God will make, God will pass over a million people just to get to him and so on. He just started elogizing what the word of God talks about him. And he was just there, just quoting, and the man had to stand up and leave him. And after the interview, they wanted, out of 22 persons, they wanted one person. And I traveled then when he went for the interview. When I came back, I said, where's your letter of appointment? I didn't say, how did the interview go? He said, you know something? I said, no. He said, do, do, do you know they asked me? They said, you so much fit the description of the person we are looking for. He said, yes, because my father is the author of the job, and he had to make you describe the job to fit me. 
Why was he speaking like that? Because he was aware. Something on her. This church in this area would not just be an ordinary church. It will not be like all other churches. It will not just be a church that happened to occur. It is a church that has divine destiny at work. Where the people hear the noise of your praise, it will divinely attract them. They will say, ah, that is melodious. The same song that other churches are singing. The same song, the same baptism, the same... But your own will look better. Amen. It will look, it will look far above what others have to offer because God will add his own difference on it. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, it says, Paul plant, Apollo water, but God give the increase. It is not he that plants that is anything, or he that water it, but God that gives the increase. Everybody say, God will set me on high. Say that again, God will set me on high. You see, let me say something to you. At times some people hear about me and they hear my name. When they see me, they are disappointed. They say, ah, you mean this, you are the one? I said, yes. They say, listen. When we were hearing about you, we thought we'd see a big man with a big dress. I said, it's not my fault. God has magnified me in your eyes. Amen. God will so much magnify you that when people meet you, they'll be disappointed. They, I mean, physically, when they meet you, they say, ah. I remember I went somewhere to preach. You know, before I came, there had been great advertisement, great, great invitation, radio advertisement. Nobody had seen my picture. So I just told him, casually, with a small Bible. And I said, the man said, no, 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 you can't sit in front. You can't, no, 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 you can't sit in front. Go to the back. I said, sorry, I'm very sorry, sir. I said, but I'm the preacher. He said, what do you mean? He said, you are what? I said, I'm the preacher. I said, no, 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 please, if you are playing, stop it. If, if you are. <laughs> he said, we have been advertising. We have been. He said, are you the preacher? I said, yes, I am. He said, do you have anything on you to show? I said, I have nothing. I said, but when your pastor comes, you will know that I'm the preacher because he knows me. He said, he said, this is wonderful. He called the member, members of the church. Well, say, come and see something. This man says the preacher. Does he look like the preacher we are expecting? <laughs> but the fact was that God had magnified me. He had so much beautified my ministry. They didn't see me and they didn't even know that. When, when I turned up, they were disappointed. When they saw me, there was nothing in me that they would desire. But you see, I'm like Joshua. Open your Bible to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua 3, 7. Praise God. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. Have you seen it now? Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. You know, God promised, he said, I will begin to magnify thee. Magnify means you will have a testimony that is larger than life. God will blow your reputation and supernaturally advertise your ministry. Open to Joshua chapter 4 verse 14. And let's see, God said I will, so let's see how God did it. Joshua 4 14. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. You see God magnifying him? God said I will magnify you I will give, you see, I will give you a larger than life picture. I, I will so much make people to fall in love with you. People will appreciate you. People will just love you. And I have noticed this when I preached in very many countries of the world, when I get to a place, and I preach, oh, the pastor will so much love me. I said, oh, pastor. I remember I went to a church in the United States. This church about 800 people. 
and um, the, the pastor wouldn't allow me to preach. And I asked him why. I said, because I'm not attached or related to a big bishop in Nigeria. You see, because this bishop in Nigeria had come and told them that any pastor that is coming from Nigeria must get a letter of recommendation from him or else he should not be allowed to preach in that church. So I came there with no recommendation. And the man said, sorry, you can't preach here because you have no recommendation from the big bishop. I said, well, praise God. I don't, I don't mind. So I went to another church down the road. There was just about 350 people and I preached. And that man was so, he so much fell in love with my ministry. He carried the cassette, the audio and the videotape. And went to this other big pastor and said, pastor, you must hear this. And the pastor said, who is that? I said, it's a man from Nigeria. I said, well, he said, well, I, well, let me just watch it. He said, okay, put it on, put the video on. And the man, first of all, you know, with disdain and, uh, and despise, uh, he just looked with the color of his eyes. And then he started seeing uh, just the beginning of the scripture. I quoted one of the scripture and then the his face started to loosen up and started to get interested. And before the end of the day, he said, Come bring the man. I want to see him now. I love him. I, I like him. I want him to come here. That is what it takes. I will set you on high. If you're a woman and you're getting a problem with your husband because he looks like you, like a shit, you know. You know, there's some women there. When their husband, even if their husband is laughing with everybody and he sees them, he will stop laughing. <laughs> I want you to have enough trust in God that he will set you on her. He will just put you in a place that you will look more beautiful than you are. I remember there was a dear lady who came to me. She did Brother George. She said, nobody, no, 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 no man has talked to me. No, no man is interested in me. No, no man all these years have ever said, please, can I talk to you? She said, everybody just see me and pass by. He said, can you do something? I said, well, well I, can, I can just share the scripture with you that God can magnify you. Make you more beautiful than you look, and before you know it, in two weeks' time, people will begin to come and shake your hand and say, Oh, sister, you look so cute. So, in two weeks' time, the same dresses, the same dresses, the same makeup, the same church, the same everything, and some brothers will walk by and say, Oh, sister, you look so fresh today, don't you? Uh, just like that, just because you believe this. Uh, some other person will come, Oh, sister, oh, you look so full of life. Oh, I can just see the glory of God on you. In two weeks, she had proposal from seven people. Hallelujah. All because God magnified her. Amen. You see, in our church back at home, it does not matter whether you sit on mat or sit on chair. It does not matter whether you have a microphone or not. There is that divine attraction. There is that divine magnetism. This is as a result of the belief in the scriptures, I will set you on high. In your place of work, God says, I'm going to promote you. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7 says, Promotion does not come from the south or from the east or the west. God is the judge of all. God is the one who promotes. He promoted Daniel several times in the kingdom where Daniel came in as a servant. He promoted Joseph from being a servant to being the prime minister. He's, he's a promoting God. If you are in a place of work and some people are working to bring you down, they're just wasting their time. I was, in the, I was in the polytechnic cycle for some years and there were other people that would always struggle for promotion. I never struggled. I remember there was a time my, my, my superior man, because of my Christian testimony, gave a negative recommendation. You know, he gave a negative recommendation about me. And the negative recommendation went to the committee. But when the committee sat and we were discussing my story, God was there on my behalf. One of them said, this recommendation does not fit the judge that I know. It doesn't fit him. He said, no, it cannot be. It cannot be. They said, and then one other person who said, well, you know what his superior is like. He's not a stable man. He's a drunkard. He, he doesn't have a settled family. He may just be angry because the young boy. Let's promote him anyway. They promoted me against the wishes. 
But my superior, after I was promoted, the man came to me and prostrated before me and said, Whosoever is fighting you is fighting God. I will never quarrel against you anymore. That was my superior, my place of work. And eventually told me that day that I should pray for him so that his life will be better than what it used to be. Now that is God setting you on her because you know the scriptures. I didn't fight, I didn't lift up my finger against him. Because the Bible said in Psalm 50, verse 8, he that justify me is near. The Lord's heart is not shut that I cannot save, his ears are not dead that I cannot deliver. It's the only one we don't know the God we serve him. That we begin to scramble and scratch and cry and scream for things. God knows the worth of his man, and God will do his man good and not evil in Jesus' name. So I will set him on her because he has done my name. Number three. He said he shall call upon me. We are on Psalm 91. He said he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I love that. Everybody said God will answer me. Say that. You see my prayer is that God will answer the prayer of this church. You see when a church's prayer is answered. Many things happen that don't happen in other places. You see every person is playing. Every church is praying. But when you look at the lives of various people, you discover that they are turning out in different ways. But here is a promise you and I can lay hold on. He says, you will call upon me and I will answer you. God is giving you this assurance. You know, the Bible said in the book of Psalm 65, verse 2, He says, oh, that God that heareth prayers unto thee shall all flesh come. But it is one thing for you to come to God and it's another thing for you to have your prayers answered. Isaiah 65 verse 24 gives us a promise. He said, before you call, I will answer. While you are yet speaking, I will hear. God is saying, I will answer. And God will not just answer in very simple ways. I was telling some people some time ago that the Bible said in Psalm 65 verse 5, He said, by terrible things in righteousness will you answer us. O God that inhabits the praise of your people. Let me give you a testimony about myself that will prove what I'm saying. When God says, I will answer you, it's a promise that is so powerful. I was living in a flat before. I was living downstairs. I mean, I was living upstairs, and there was a Muslim man, a Muslim, who was living downstairs. The man felt that whenever I prayed in the night, that my prayers disturbed him. So he called a meeting of all other flatmates. And you see, I just have to pray. Because there is nothing a man can receive except by prayer. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness, neither any shadow of turning. But before that happens, you have to go to the throne of grace that you may obtain grace and find mercy to help in the time of need. So they called a meeting and the, man, and the conclusion of the meeting was that I should stop praying. And that if I did not stop praying, they were going to report me to the landlord who was going to remove me from the house. <laughs> And after they told me that, I was just going, then I remembered, and I came back, and I said, excuse me, sir, please come. You cannot report me to myself. I am the landlord. The man said, what do you mean? I said, I am the landlord. I said, and as the landlord, I give you two weeks quick notice. I said, in the name of Jesus, in two weeks' time, you, this man, who is trying to stop me from praying, I eject you from this building. And he actually said, who do you... Thank you, you are the landlord. I said, well, this Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 16, 
The heavens of heavens belong to the Lord our God, but the earth has He given to the sons of men. I said, and the Bible said unto me, when God made man in his own image and his darkness, God said unto man, go, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue, and have dominion. The Bible said in Psalm 8, verse 4, down to verse 6, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little more than angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, and thou hast put everything on earth beneath his feet. And the Bible also says, God has given me the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever things I bind on earth is bound in heaven, or whatsoever things I lose on earth is lost in heaven. I told him, I said, I'm in charge here. The, the Bible says, the, the, the earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof, the people and the, that dwell in it. I said, I'm the landlord. He thought I was kidding. So I told him, I said, and as the landlord, I hereby give you quick notice. So when, after I said that, I went up into my room. And I learned that before the Lord, and I prayed. I said, God, the Bible said in Psalm 65, verse 5, by terrible things will you answer us, O God. O God, that inhabit the praise of your people. I said, God, in Jesus' name, I want this man to be supernaturally removed from this house so that he will fear. When, when he hears anybody called a Christian, he will be full of fear. So every morning when I woke up, I would go to the door of his house and tell you a historical thing, and I would lay my hands on his door. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this house is empty. Father, in Jesus' name, your word says in Matthew 15, 13, whatsoever tree my father has not planted shall be uprooted. I command this man uprooted in Jesus' name, himself, wife, children, everything in the name of Jesus. And I prayed that his flight will be in the winter. He will run out of this house. He will not go easily because he is daring to stand up against your child, O oh God. I prove in the name of Jesus that I serve the true and the living God. Every morning I woke up, the first day I first of all put my hand on his door. He was laughing inside. <laughs> The second day I did that, she stopped laughing. The third day I did that. The fourth day I did that. The fifth day I did that. See, I was doing it every day. And on the tenth day, as I laid my hands on his door, I started speaking and commanding and deleting and removing him there. I noticed that there was a quietness and a stillness. And I could hear my voice echoing back to me. And I said, what happened? And I looked in and I discovered the man had parked overnight. He had packed his chairs. He had packed his tables. He had packed everything that belonged to him. He had left the building. So I started looking for him all over the community. I wanted to know his story or the testimony. What happened? And eventually I tracked him down as someone. I said, hey man, what happened? He said, please leave me alone. I don't want you to kill me. Please don't kill me. God answered me by terrible things in righteousness. God moved in a supernatural way to stop his desire over me. And then the man eventually told me his story. He said, one of these days, he said, you are just praying in that dangerous language. He said, the first thing I knew was that I woke up and I was sweating. He said, and, I, he said, I, and then I just heard you blasting that language. He said, all of a sudden, a cool breeze just blew into my room and picked me up from my bed. He said, the wind lifted me from off my bed and I was as this far. He said, I tried to reach the ground with my legs. My leg was not on the ground. I touched my backside. I saw that I was off the bed. He said that I came to a conclusion that I must leave that building that day or else I will die. He said, so I, he said I was in that state between 10 to 15 minutes. And after some time, the power that was holding me in space dropped me to the ground. He said, immediately I touched the ground with my feet. I started packing my loads. What happened? God answered my prayer by terrible things. 
in righteousness. You see, these are not the days of treat up Christianity when you say, Well, you know, we are sorry <laughs> for disturbing you. <laughs> these are the days that if anybody throw down his rod, you throw down your own rod too. You see, we are not from a Christian tradition back at home and in all our churches, whereby you'll be running away from the devil. The reason why the devil is following you is because you are running. If you turn around and face him, you begin to run. Amen. One of our pastors was sent into a place to pastor a church. Now, this guy has started three services now in his church. Three services. A young Bible school graduate. But you see, we've told him, listen to me. It's, it's either you win there or you stay there. So when he got into the city, the very first week we posted him there, he was starting the job. He just got the tent up and got the groundwork and so on. Then he met a group of occultic people. They were coming in the night. They had a meeting. And they were making... I don't know whether you have them here. They were making some noise. And when they saw the young man, they said to him, Come on! In the Yoruba language. And the boy took to his hands and was running. He said, when I was running, he said, I came to myself and said, Hey, where am I running to? I'm here to plant the church and they're telling me, Come on, am I running? Where will I run to? He said, so I stop. And I said, I, I promise God, if I ever meet them again and they say, Come on, I will say, Come on back to them. So he went. One day he was coming back from the station about a month after. And then he met them again. And then it was face to face. You know, face to face is better than 100 letters. Face to face like this. And so they said unto him, Come on! And then he took on to them and said, In the name of Jesus, come on! They turned around and they started running and they followed them. Amen. God answered his prayer by terrible things in righteousness. Psalm 138, verse 3 says, And in that day I cried unto the Lord, and he answered me. Psalm 118, verse 5. He said, I cried unto the Lord in my distress, and he heard me, and he set me in a large place. You see, God has promised to us here that he will answer us. Let us pray with boldness. Let us pray with faith. Let us pray with conviction. Let us pray with uh, knowing that he is a God who says, my eyes are over you, and my ears are inclined to your prayers. You are a young woman, you've been praying for your husband to be saved. God said, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to answer you. I remember the dear woman in our church who's been praying for her husband. Her husband happens to be a Muslim. And she came to me one point and said, this man is a Muslim. He, I said, that does not matter. No matter who he is, even if he's the chief priest of, the, of Satan's temple, you keep praying. And he prayed and prayed. And she prayed. And one day she, was, she prayed so much that she was convinced. God told her, I said, I've answered your prayer. Your husband is saved. Go home and tell him that I said he's born again. So the woman went home from an all night prayer meeting and woke the husband up. And the husband said, yes. He said, God told me, you are saved. You are born again already. Are you ready to be born again? And the man said, well, if you say so far. She said, she didn't even know. She said, what is this? I said, fine. If you say, I'm born again, fine. He said, well, can I go and invite the pastor? I said, yes. He said, when? He said, even now. And so the woman came to me. I said, come on. See. Before then, the man would say, no, don't go to church. Eight o'clock, you must be back. Nine o'clock, you must be back. Come on. Don't pray too much. You are praying too much. Don't fast too much. You are fasting too much. Stop that. Come on. He said, no, come on, come on. But I went to this man's house and the man said, a professor, professor of medicine. And I started across him and I said, sir, my, your wife told me that you are ready. He said, well, she just came this morning and woke me up and said, uh, God said she, she, um, I should be born again. And I said, if God said that to you, well, and I said, okay, say these words after me. So I just told him, this is what you do, this is what you do. I said, okay. And the man prayed the prayers after me. And I said, okay, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, yes, I want to be. He said, once I'm born again, what do I, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, then, let me read to you the scripture. I said, well, you don't have to read to me. 
He said, what do you mean by Holy Spirit? He said, do you mean the language in which my, my wife prays? I, I said, yes. He said, you mean that the power of the Holy Spirit will come? He said, no, I'm feeling already very high and I'm beginning to before He was just praying in tongues. That is the answer to prayer. Is that not wonderful? Now, those are, look, these are the things that it takes. God says, I will answer you. As a person who needs a job, as a pastor of our church, as, 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 as church members, you have this assurance and this assertion that God says, I will answer you. I can't, I can't spend more time than that, but quickly let me just try and rush the remaining and then we'll be, we have finished everything we need to do there. He said, you will call upon me and I will answer you. Then he said, I will be with you in trouble. Everybody say, God will be with me in trouble. You know, there are three relationships that God maintains towards us. God is for us. Or what it means is also, it also means God is on our side. You know, the Bible said in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 118, verse 6 says, the Lord is on our side. I will not fear what man will do unto me. So God is for us, and God is on our side. That is one relationship that God has towards us. The second relationship is that God is with us. And God says, I will be with you in trouble. You know, there is a temptation and at times when people are in trouble, they think God has left them. But let me tell you something. When you are in trouble, that is when God is with you. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 verse 4, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in the fire, was Jesus not with them there? When Daniel found himself in the lion's den, was the angel of the Lord not with him there? The Bible said in Isaiah 43 verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers it shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, the flame shall not, the, the fire shall not burn thee, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God said, I am with you. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. God said, I am with you in trouble. Somebody said, look, look at the kind of persecution I'm going through. Where sin abound, grace abound yet more. In Second Kings chapter 6, the whole of the city that Elisha was dwelling in was surrounded by armies. You remember that story? And the servant said, Alas, the city has been surrounded. Elisha said, Fear not, for they who are with us are more. And the man said, One, two. One, two, three, four, five, six. He said, God, open his eyes. Open his eyes. You see, when our eyes are open, you will know that when you are in bigger trouble, you bigger God.